everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast, endeavouring to give you some pretty good analysis, some even better tips, attempting anyway. And pleased to say that last week, uh, James and I came up with the goods with Rogue Millennium, a very popular winner of the SBK-sponsored Oaks trial. She won at 15-2, and she's throwing her hat into the ring for the Oaks itself at Epsom in a few weeks' time. We've seen some very interesting results from these Oaks and Derby trials. We'll have plenty to think about when it comes to Epsom, and we'll be uh, previewing that. But we've got a big, big weekend ahead of us in that away from the Derby and Oaks trials, there is the reappearance of the unbeaten and star miler, Baid, And that is going to be one of the main races that we're going to look at the lock-in stakes a little bit later. But it's a good card at Newbury, and that's where we're going to focus on. We've got Ross Miller and Tom Collins back as normal. And we're going to begin with the 135. The first race um, that we're going to look at is the Carnarvon Stakes, a listed race for three-year-olds, run over six furlongs. I thought this was a quite a good renewal of this contest, um, won by Creative Force last year en route to the Jersey Stakes. He was a, a winner of some handicaps beforehand, and it's essentially a similar sort of feel to this race. Aidan O'Brien brings over Cadamosto, but Tiber Flow for William Haggis currently heads the besting with SBK at 130. And we've got some horses that were contesting good races as two-year-old Eras, Hierarchy and the likes. And uh, I thought I had a really good feel to it. TC, I'll come to you first. Um, as I said, I found this a good race, but tricky in terms of making up my mind as to what horse is going to come out on top because they've all coming into this with a sort of similar enough profiles. And I think there could be a bit of value around here. Yeah, it's a difficult race. As you say, there's loads of potential superstars in here. Tiber Flow, obviously, heading the market. It's only had four starts, all of which have come on the all-weather. So we don't know how he's going to handle the switch to turf. Eraz, who's going to be my selection in the race, and I'll come to in a second, has plenty of ability, loads of potential, and could easily take a step forward from his comeback run. And there are other horses in here as well, like Ribeye, the likes of Rizk, or I presume it's pronounced Rizk, um, who are also in here at bigger prices that could take a big step forward and be group horses in the future. So it's a very hot heat. Um, I am siding with Eraz. Now, maybe this is a heart overhead decision, but I think it's a bit of both. Um, I love this horse. He's a big flashy chestnut, um, and he really caught my eye last year when he won at Ascot on his second start in a maiden. He just romped clear, pushed clear by Jim Crowley, not asked for maximum effort, but just extended away um, really quick three final furlong sectionals as well. Then on his next start, he finished last in the Aiken, last of five, but that Aiken was a good heat. He also returned a dirty, dirty scope. And the race wasn't run to suit. He was held up at York in a small field. You want to be on the pace at York no matter what, um, especially in a small field. So I can excuse him that run. Now, he had a layoff after that. He came back at Ascot. And I tipped him that day on uh, uh, SBK's um, content hub, betting.getsbk.com. And unfortunately, he only finished third of four. However, I thought he shaped with consummate amount of promise. He just moved into the race like the best horse. Now, Gobert's go eventually won the race um, under Ross Ryan. It was a great ride from the front. But he's a really tenacious um, two-year-old now into a three-year-old he just fights away and he just doesn't like to be beaten I think Eraz is a bit soft at this point of his career he's not mentally all there yet but he moved into the race like the best horse um, I also love the bit of race planning by Richard Hannon he targeted the pavilion stakes for um, for Eraz's first run back without a shadow of a doubt Shadwell horses tend to follow the same mold year on year and actually Shadwell ran a couple of horses in this race over the last few years that have um, running the pavilion before coming here to Newbury, the likes of Ade, who actually won the pavilion and then won this as well. And I think the fact that Eraz is, is 
going to be running in this race at Newbury suggests they still think he's on an upward trajectory. He could easily make his uh, mark in, in group level, and I'm hopeful that he can bounce back to winning ways. Yeah, it could be a really big weekend for Shadwell, couldn't it? And uh, not a huge amount of horses left in their care, but uh, this is one of them. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, considering he wasn't, he, he underperformed at the end of the two-year-old career, they've definitely kept the faith in, faith in him. My question was, they've obviously ran four times, twice over seven, twice over six. He pedigree-wise, he's a sprinter, it looks it, but did it did it look to you potentially at Ascot that, that he was um, he didn't look quick enough for the likes of Go Bears Go. No, I think he's got plenty of speed, um, and I don't think it was a stamina fault over over the six furlongs at all. Obviously, as you say, he's run over seven a couple of times, and I think he does get the seven. We didn't get to see it in the Aikham last year, as I say, he wasn't at his best. But on his debut, when he was second to Noble Truth, he stayed out the seven furlongs perfectly well. I think the reason they're sticking at six with him, despite the fact his pedigree suggests he's a sprinter, is just his ridiculously high cruising speed. Like this horse could run over five furlongs. He's so quick in his races. Um, and I think if you, you keep him at six furlongs, then you don't have to stretch his stamina, whereas seven, he may have to travel and then quicken again. And I'm not sure he's got that kind of mental fortitude at this stage of his career. He's uh, he's 11 to two. And I when I looked at the prices, I thought if he's 11 to two, hierarchy is six to one and was ahead of Eras at Ascot. Seemingly a bit of a, a the, the price is suggesting that Eras will reverse that form. But Ross, hierarchy... In my opinion, he has been such a hardy uh, type. He's been really reliable. Is he overpriced? Yeah, I've got written down on my notes. Tough and tenacious. Um, you know, he's not overly big. Eras is everything you want to see from a two-year-old going into a three-year-old. He's big. He's strong. He, he does everything right in the early part of the races. Hierarchy. I mean, I, I wasn't sure whether he would have perhaps trained on because he did look small against the others last time but he gets down he gets dirty he knows he knows where the line is and he knows how to fight and that's the problem I have with errors I Tom hit on it and sort of said he's perhaps not mentally strong at this point in his career I'm just starting to worry that actually he's a bit soft in a finish full full stop um, and there's no such concern with hierarchy uh, it, like you say it's a very very open race but I just like what he did last time. And I think that's probably a decent piece of form behind Go Bears Go over six furlongs. Um, and I, yeah, I think the market's got it wrong. So I think six to one, uh, I'd be with him all day long against Eras at 11 to two. Yeah, he just needs to confirm that form. And it was uh, pretty comprehensive as well. There was nearly two lengths between the two of them that day. Um, by Memas, a lot of them, they they, they are, aren't massive horses, but they're all hot and they do train on. We've seen with... Um, a lot of Maymas has been some uh, question that they can only be two-year-olds. Uh, yeah, interesting. A uh, hierarchy for us at six to one. I found this so tricky that I've actually ended up selecting the favourite. And I just want to chat about the favourite quickly, Ross, your thoughts on Tiber Flow in that he, his unbeaten record came to an end in that all-weather champions three-year-old conditions race, but he didn't lose anything in defeat. And I just think he's a classic Haggis type that's going through his motions. Yes, the first go on turf, might be just an unknown, but he's related to some fantastic horses that uh, you know, are all all um, all turf horses. Uh, I think it's I think he's got poet's word in his family, and uh, I just I can't get away from the fact that that runner at Newcastle last time he didn't really do anything wrong. Maybe Tom Mockwan just wasn't just didn't underestimated that the leader was going to stay where he was for that length of time. Yeah, no, he lost absolutely nothing in defeat. Um, and he probably has looked on form the, the best horse in this race and probably the classiest horse in this race. I've just 
want to see them do it on turf before I, you know, take on a favourite or go in with a favourite in this sort of race. Like we said, it's it's very open. You have to say William Haggis is really starting to hit his straps north of 30%, I think, over the last two weeks. Um, so, yeah, it, it might be that we're all trying to find reasons to not to not go with the obvious one. But I, I just like to see them do it on turf, having done it on the all-weather, exclusively on the all-weather as well. So, yeah, he could be a cut above these, but I at the price, I'm happy to stick with a tough little hierarchy. Okay, well, I'm not going to go against Hyperflow. Um, I'm going to go with him. I thought about Garcia's performance uh, yesterday, gave me confidence that they can transfer from all weather to the turf with no problems at all. Um, so 130, I think, is a, a nice price for that horse. Um, but uh, as said, hierarchy for Ross and Eras for TC's. Big, big fan of that horse uh, for the Shadwell team, who, as I said, set to have a big weekend. And we're going to look at the Al Ryan Stakes, known as the Ashton Park, uh, a group three run over a mile and four furlongs. And Shadwell represented by Sharda, uh, Roger Varian, uh, Jim Crowley, um, and they this... Mayor, a daughter, um, uh, a daughter of Muhara uh, is having her first run at four. We've got Scope, who's 72, Fox's Tales is 92, Ilarab is 92, and without a fight, 11 to 2. And the biggest of the more is Outbox, who's 10 to 1. Uh, look, this is you know, a trappy little affair, uh, a race that as we've seen some fantastic sort of middle distance horses, one mile, four, four furlong horses. Uh, really come into their own. The likes of Crystal Ocean has won this a couple of times. So I thought TC maybe pinpoint that point about the, the trip because there are horses who I don't believe necessarily have confirmed that they are one mile four furlong horses. Scope looks like he needs fur much further than this um, from suggesting suggested by the, the wins from last season. And he's more of a gold cup type and and even Fox's tails not necessarily run over this trip. So for me, it was it was who is the Jenny one mile four furlong horse in the race. Yeah, it's a very good point. Um, and I like the fact you touched on scope as well, because I actually think he's the most talented horse in the race. Um, on figures, that would it would tell you as much. Um, he's achieved the highest RPR with 118. You generally need an RPR of around 122 to win this race if you're above average. I don't think this um this heat is actually above average for. Um, the very Al Rayan stakes, but still, uh, as I say, I think Scope's the best horse in the race, talent-wise, mm. but I don't like the trip for him. Um, I think we'll see him to, to greater effect later in the season, and therefore I'm going to take him on. When he tried this trip, this trip before, he was a bit slow and got outpaced and then stuck on, um, and we saw that actually throughout the last year, that he was by far his best in the final two furlongs over a mile six. Um, so mm. definitely one to oppose. I think Ilarab's kind of of the same ilk. He's got loads of stamina. He just seems to keep rolling and rolling and rolling, um, he doesn't have that, that turn of foot that you kind of need to win this race. And as you touched on, a few of the, the winners of this race, include the likes of Crystal Ocean, Telescope. They were horses that stayed the trip well, but also had that acceleration to move clear of the, the bona fide stayers. Um, the last mayor to actually win this race was Howell Fairs in 2012. So interesting that Ashad is in here, another Shadwell-owned horse. Um, they know, as I say, they, could they tend to fill the same mould. So they know that a mayor can win this race. I just think Ashada has to improve a tiny bit um, and I'd rather go with a horse who's solid, which is Fox's Tails. Now, you did mention that Fox's Tails has stamina issues. I think the one mile four will be perfect for him. Um, he's untried really at the trip, but uh, last year he kind of shaped as a stayer, but he has that raw speed that you kind of need, as I've already touched on, to win this race. He was very impressive throughout his three-year-old career. Actually, he improved for every single start um, apart from his final outing uh, on Champions Day Ascot, when he was fitted with blinkers, running in Group 1 company against better horses, and he just didn't really show what we know that Fox's Tails could show. 
Prior to that, he was running in the 110s, 115s, and then he performed to, to a mark of 96 in, on Champions Day. His combat run, I think, was arguably a career best. Now, he finished second of three behind Mostadaf, but Mostadaf is 7-1 to one for the Prince of Wales at Royal Ascot and a leading player in the division. And Fox's Tails was actually held up in third at Sandown, which obviously favours front runners. He moved into the race and actually hit the front with two furlongs to go. He just got worn down late by Mostadaf, who won very easily in the end. But he ran very creditably. And I think any improvement will see Fox's Tails win this race. Yeah, interesting. So from your perspective, the, 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 the run at Sandown shaped as if uh, the one mile four is definitely within his, his, his keeping, essentially. Yeah, I, I loved how he shaped in that race. I think all of last year, actually, as well, he shaped like a mile four would be perfect. Um, but as I say, he's got that perfect mix, that ideal mix of speed and stamina. And I think that will see him come to the fore. Yeah, interesting as well, Fox's Tales. He's been a bit of a bridesmaid. Um, Ross, I'll come to you next. But I was just looking back at his run in the uh, the ARC trial at Newbury, the, the Legacy Cup, and he was behind Solid Stone, who's gone out and won uh, at Chester. Uh, Ilarab, who's behind him, who's in this race again. Alazi was behind him. That's all, that form's been frank. That was a good race, that. And that was the only time he's run of a trip sort of nearing one mile four. That was a one mile three. He was only just beaten in the neck by Solid Stone. So... Seemingly suggest that they're they're confident that that this is within his grasp. But is he good enough? Uh, I think TC's right. In an ordinary year, he might perhaps be good enough. I don't think it's it's vintage. Um, I think he'll certainly be Illarab, given that they're there or thereabouts the same price. Um, that would suggest he's a little bit of value. Galileo uh, Zoffany out of a Galileo mare. He he looks like a stare. I slightly disagree with TC in that I wasn't certain the visually in the Gordon Richards last time he looked like he was crying out for a step up and trip in the, in the sort of last half furlong but I think he did use an awful lot of petrol from from three out to get into a challenging position and and try and sort of serve it up to Mostadaf um so I think it was perhaps a slightly inefficient right deliberately so um so yeah I, th I think this trip will suit him I think he has got a touch of class and a touch of speed as TC touched on um Eshadar has got the penalty and I just wonder with Roger Verum whether they've got eyes on something further down the line. And this is sort of leading her into that. So I'd be keen to take her on. And as you both said, Scope, I mean, he, he looks like he, he's, a, he's a mile and three quarter horse all day long. So mm. I'd be keen to take him on. So uh, again, a, a trappy enough race. If anything won, you wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I thought Fox's tails at, at the price was, was the play, really. Yeah, the price as it stands is 92. So confidence behind... Uh... The, the third in the market for Fox's Tales, who's got that uh, race fitness on his side. Um, and I think we all, essentially, we all agree that this is a stepping stone for Scope. I think he's a really exciting staying prospect, but that is, is going to be his, his, his real aims and the likes of the Gold Cup. I like to hope that it is a good, uh, basic, basically, pipe opener. I don't believe I have got a strong enough case for Ashada not to be winning this race, I have to admit. Because when I saw, I know what you guys were, were putting up, I thought, right, Fox tells a light, I like the angle there, but Ashada just she just needs to improve that a little bit. Yes, she's got a penalty, but she still gets weight off scope. The ground I thought was quite a big factor. I thought that she, if well, there's a question mark about Fox's tail staying with a little bit more give in the ground as well, that's just gonna heighten it a little bit more. So I think that she's I think she's likable. Yes, she's seven to two. Um, but she'll she goes really well fresh. I think that's really keen for her. She won at this track um, on her opening race of the season last year. And 
yes, there might be other targets for her, but it's not a brilliant race. Um, and she just could be the class act. So I'm happy to take her at seven to two. Um, I'm very conscious that I picked two favourites, so which I don't like doing. But in the London Gold Cup handicap, which we're going to go on to next over one mile, two furlong, this is the kind of race where you can have a lot more fun trying to sort out some horses that are slightly bigger prices. And I, it's a race that I really like. Um, it's a run at 2.45, won by Bay Bridge last year. He's got a pre large triumph entry this week. So it just goes to show what kind of horses you can unearth in this race. Uh, Ross, I think that we, we've, I can go back through loads of renewals and seen some nice horses. I think Time Test won it as well. So it's a great looking kind of race um, in, in general. Uh, and just have a quick run through the prices. Isra, 11 to two joint favorite, along with Sorry Miss and Mr. Big Stuff. And then it's a jump to 10 to one for Wineglass Bay and Red Vineyard. It kind of is a, is a reflection on how open this race normally is because it's usually a horse that's coming through the gears quite well and, and could be anything. Yeah, absolutely. I've actually landed on one that will almost certainly never have a pre pre luck to triumph entry. Um, but I, I just think he's nicely handicapped and is interesting that he's now finally stepping up in trip. And that's the Richard Hannon at Zoom, who's perhaps been a little bit disappointing so far, but they seem to have been trying to force the pace over a mile. Um, he tends to sort of hit a flat spot, gets a bit outpaced and then sort of sticks on quite nicely at the back end of it. Um, from a family that's got stacks of stamina, despite them all being by stallions, it wouldn't necessarily cry out stamina. So he's a half to quick, who's won over a mile and four. Uh, he was an Olympic glory. And then the other half is Retribution, who won a two mile three furlong maiden hurdle for Gordon Elliott by Ifraj. Um, it just suggests that the mayor puts stacks of stamina in. I think he's not really been ridden to best effect trying to force the, be up with the pace and, and force it over a mile. I think it'd be interesting to see him dropped, dropped in a little bit, ridden with a bit more of a race in mind over this extended trip. And he's very, very nicely handicapped, I think. I think he's certainly shown glimpses of ability. Um, and if this uh, extra couple of furlongs unlocks that, I think he's a, he's a really nice each way player, a big price. He's 16 to one. So that's definitely one of the bigger prices. I think it's a, it's a key point. A lot of these horses two to three, this will be their first go over one mile, two furlongs. There aren't many options for horses um, at this stage. Um, it's probably one of their, their first opportunities. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely nicely handicapped at seven, uh, mark of 78. So eight, eight on board, Thorhammer Hansen on board. TC, your thoughts with this? Because there's definitely a few nicely handicapped sorts who uh, come here with, uh, with, with good weights. Yeah, this is one of my favourite races on the calendar, actually. I love the London mm -hmm. Gold Cup. Um, it always seems to produce multiple uh, three-year-olds that are going to go on to much bigger and better things. Um, Bay Bridge, who you mentioned earlier, is one of my favourite horses in training. Massive fan of him, and I really hope he does well this season for Michael Stout. I don't think this year's renewal is the best, uh, I have to say. There are obviously horses in here that are very well handicapped, and probably a, a fair amount of them. But I don't think there's that. There's two or three horses that are going to make their market group level. I think there's potentially one, and that's maybe a stretch at this point. Um, and that's Israel. But I don't think he's all there yet. Um, I think he's very much like Eraz that we covered earlier. Um, but he's a longer distance type who probably needs even longer to develop. Um, and therefore, I want to be taking him on. The horse that Ross has covered, Zoom, I think is very well handicapped, I have to say. I tipped him last time at Goodwood. He disappointed him fourth. Um, but I think he's well treated. And he'll probably make his mark in a, a weaker race, I imagine. Um, a couple of others I think you want to put in your tracker ahead of the race, um, Amar Saul, who um, you might come to in a minute, I, I believe, Jess, mm -hmm. and the others, Inverness. I think they're both well handicapped too. 
But the horse I actually landed on is, is one called Surrey Mist. I think he's kind of a, a here and now horse rather than the likes of Zuma Marcel, who will progress up the handicaps, in my opinion. Um, Surrey Mist has matured loads this year. He's only had three starts. So babyish on his debut last year, but he ran in a good race one by Zechariah, who has already proved himself to be listed level. Um, and then he made a, a winning reappearance at Lingfield in a terrible race, I have to say, but he did it nicely. He beat a horse uh, trained by Andrew Borden, who's won, a, who's won since, called After Eight. And then last time out at Kempton, I thought we saw a completely different horse. He raced prominently rather than in behind the speed. He was professional throughout. He quickened nicely. Yes, that was over a furlong further. And one mile two may be the, 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 the shortest he wants to go. I think he's probably in a mile and a half horse. Um, but I loved how he went through that race in quick and clear. Just struck me as a horse that is likely to make his mark at a higher level, as I say. And I reckon if he was trained by anyone other than George Baker, if he was John Gosden or William Haggis, I reckon he'd be um, a clear-cut favourite in here. So, sorry, miss for me. Be by Kendarjan, he could be a could be a jumper in the making. And uh, George Baker, as you say, probably underestimated. And I thought that Seman, that is clearly well handicapped, he won very well at Newmarket. That's just just another type that he's just done really well with. It's sort of taken everyone by surprise. Um, I wasn't entirely sure how much he's necessarily beaten for a race like this, but a mark of 85, that looked quite a nice enough mark, opening mark for him. Yeah, I think that's very fair. As you say, he hasn't beaten much. Uh, that Lingford race on his comeback was terrible. Um, last time out at Kempton was slightly better in that novice event where he gave away a penalty. But I've said this before, but I think too much is sometimes made of what a horse has beaten. If they're visually impressive yeah. and win decisively, um, they can only do that much in a, in a weak race. Uh, and I think sorry missed. Although he does have to prove his quality, um, I think he's going to prove his quality. Yeah, well, the market seems to agree uh, anywhere at present. It's been priced up at 11 to 2 sort of opening. So it'll be interesting to see if that, how much that changes from now until Saturday. Um, we'll, we'll touch on Marcel then, because this is a horse that I was really impressed with when he won at 25 to 1 at Nottingham and came out of nowhere, beating a nice horse in New Dimension. He'd done very little in his two starts before he's ran three times in April. So they clearly think that he was uh, coming out of races, not having raced enough or much at all to have shown that what he's made of um, an opening mark of 84 looks nice to me. But the big thing about him is that I think he needed every inch of the trip that he had in Nottingham. So this extra furlong and a half um, should suit him. And he's a, he's a, he's a winner. He's got his head in front now and he's clearly doing better for racing. So what, why, why have you not selected him TC? Yeah, I, I thought he ran very well last time as you, as you covered. Um, Ross Aran, I like the booking as well. Richard Hannon tends to bring his horses along nicely. I think he'll run very takingly. I'm just not convinced he has the quality to win a London Gold Cup at this stage. Um, I think he's well handicapped. I think he'll run well. But uh, if he can beat the likes of Surrey Miss, just getting one pound off that runner, um, mm. Israel as well, who obviously is carrying 80, uh, is running off a mark of 89, but it's carrying um, a little bit more weight. I think uh, it'll be a bit of a shock if Marcel could beat those at this stage. But if he does win, I'll be celebrating for you. Okay, well, he's 12 to 1, so I thought that was a nice prize for a, for a race where there could be anything in here. Isra is out of the great Tegruda Ross, and as TC was saying, bred to be a lot better than the mark of 89 that he's got. Uh, he didn't love the dip at Newmark. He changed his legs a lot, and it's, it's important with horses at this stage in their career because they're always learning, and he is a horse that is, could be, of all of them, as TC was saying, the one that will develop into a much better horse than some of these could be, you know, just relatively good handicappers. Yeah, I, th I think connections and 
and punters will have a much greater understanding of his ability after he's run at Newbury. And that's perhaps not all that helpful if you're looking to have a bet on him before, but a nice flat track like Newbury, there is no other variable other than their ability and okay, a bit of luck mm. in running. But yeah, a lot can not handle not handle Newmarket, um, like Sir Beverly and tracks like that. You know, you do sometimes have to just be a bit patient, see what he shows with a fair track um, and, and a fair run. And, and I think, yeah, we'll know an awful lot more about him. But he is, you know, if you went through the pedigrees, he, he's by some way the standout. Yeah, he, he definitely is. And hence why he's a market leader. But uh, Zoom for Ross. Um, for um, myself, I've said, Marcel, we've had this... Uh, uh, We'll, 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 myself and TC will we'll beg to differ on with him. Um, sorry, Mr. 11 to 2 for TC. And the other horse I'm going to throw in there because we talked about Zoom's form and just ahead of Zoom was, was Windglass Bay at, at Goodwood that time. Um, I think that he is a horse that will benefit from the step up and trip. He's definitely well thought of by James Ferguson. Um, he, was, he was actually put up two pounds for that run um, at Goodwood. Um, where I think he probably just need he was entitled just to have needed it. So he's rated 85 by New Bay, uh, the sire of Bay Bridge, um, who's just, I think they do better and better for, for time. And also maybe this trip out of an arch Penkemer, um, really like his breeding. And uh, yeah, he could be, he could be a bit more value as well at 10 to 1. So those two for me, um, and uh, that's the London Gold Cup handicap, which is definitely the best uh, betting rate on the day. We're going to go now to the lock-in, which it won't be the best betting race of the day, but it is interesting, probably because we do have um, a nice enough field size to, to find a horse um, or two that uh, at an each way price, I would say, I would say for, for all of us, there's uh, nine runners and obviously um, the standout horse and the horse that I'm not surprised is one to two is Baid uh, for William Haggis and Jim Crowley unbeaten uh, coming into his uh, four-year-old career could be the next I don't even want to say it because obviously we love to see brilliant horses and he's done everything right so far he could be you know one of uh, you know, a star in the making and he's shown himself that he is already Ross we want him to win don't we or do you think that this after reading what I've read throughout the week, or do you think this could be the moment if there could be any for him to be beaten? Uh, we, we want him to win. And I'd argue perhaps the flat season needs him to win. You know, we do need these superstars to sort of grab the attention of the public and plenty has been written this week about the sort of interest waning. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think he is potentially a superstar, but I do agree that if he's going to get beaten, perhaps first time out over a mile, I, I see that, you know, they might look to step him up throughout the season, uh, certainly mm -hmm. to a mile two. Y you know, I'm sure he'll be ready. Um, and as we just talked about, you know, the yard are in fine form. But if he is beatable, it's probably first time out over this over this trip. But I I don't foresee it. But I think if all three of us sat here and said Bide wins, it would be a fairly dull podcast. So mm. to, to, to try and find some opposition against him and, and one that I thought was overpriced is real world. Now, his last two lines of form are abysmal, but that was on the dirt. So I think just put a line through that. Um, his last run in Europe, he beat Revenant, the Revenant um, in a group two at Longchamp and did it nicely. Um, he stays a little bit further than Namar. We know that. So I think they can be quite positive with him. Um, he had a very, very progressive season last year. And I just felt that 
with all the talk about Wade, he, he perhaps gone a little bit under the radar. And I was surprised to see him as big as he is, because I do think he'll be the one to chase Baid home. Um, so I, th- I thought he was a, a smart horse and shouldn't be forgotten about because they'll have aspirations of their own to, to push forward in Europe with him this year. You never, we never, there's, you never hear a huge amount from the William Haggis team. I've always sort of, I, they're kind of a mysterious yard because they kind of, uh, they, they plan out their horses so well and so brilliantly. But I always thought maybe, you know, is, I always thought, is he a touch fragile? They, they're very careful with him. But maybe it's also because they, they, they have been nervous about unleashing him and they don't really know the limits of his potential. But I think really at the end of last season, we really saw that what that was. And to me, he's unbeatable. Yeah, he's a very good horse, isn't he? There's a lot on the line with, with a horse like Baid, um, obviously rated 125, mm. one of the leading horses in the world, according to the Longines rankings. Six from six, he's still a cult, so he's going to probably um, make into a, a brilliant stallion. Um, there's a lot on the line. They, they campaigned him very well last year. They brought him mm. through the stages gently. Um, his first group one success came in France against weaker fields. I mean, he beat Order of Australia that day, who, aside from the Breeders' Cup victory, has been pretty disappointing um, throughout his career. And then at Ascot, that was his real test, wasn't it? That was, do we see Bayed as the new star in the division in UK horse racing? Um, and the answer was yes. He beat Palace Pier, who was the original miler, champion miler um, in the QE2. There is a lot on the line, but I think because of that, he's going to be pretty fit and ready to go. They don't want this horse to be beaten. You know, it loses a little bit of value if he if he loses this race. So they want Bayou to win and maintain his unbeaten record, seven from seven. And I think he will. Like last year in this race, we saw Palace Pier go off a one-to-two favourite against a similar kind of field, um, and he won. He didn't win that convincingly. It was only a length and a half over Lady Bowthorpe, but he still won pretty takingly, as you'd expect a, a short price favourite to win. I think it could be the same situation this year. Um, the market's very similar as well. Last year, Lopi Fernandez, Raiden O'Brien, was second favourite, clear second favourite around 11 to 2. And this year, Mother Earth is the clear second favourite at 6 to 1. So it's got a very similar makeup. Um, I, like both of you, think by to win. Alcohol Free, I think, will run a lot better. Um, she was disappointed on her comeback, but she was a notable drifter in the market. She had a hood on, which I don't think helps because the hood's now been dispensed with. Um, I think she's going to run a lot better today. Um, well, on Saturday, not today. Um, and she'll probably hit the frame. She isn't my each-way selection, though, because I think she's a relatively um, shortish price at 16 to 1, given how she performed on her comeback. Um, and the actual selection each-way is going to be the lovable Sabaska. Now, he's a massive price, and he's not good enough to win this race. There is no way he'll win this race. Uh, if he does, that'll be clipped onto Twitter, and people will be mocking me. But uh, he, he has cam- been campaigned in Group 1s throughout his career. He finished third in a Queen Anne last year behind Palace Pier, only beaten two lengths. On his comeback run, he was... Uh, sorry, not his comeback run, his most recent start... He wasn't suited by the way the race panned out. It was a small field. He raced right near the speed next to a Godolphin-owned runner, um, which you don't really want for Sabuska. He's a horse that travels well in behind the pace, moves through and then picks up the pieces. I think he can do that in this race. Holly Dool takes the ride. This has kind of been the plan, although he's just going to be pitched in at these races throughout the season. Hopefully he can take third um, as others falter. He'll be staying on. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's such a likeable horse. He uh, he always runs his race. He really enjoys himself at Ascot, but I thought the run, especially um, in Maydown behind Lord North, where he was fifth, um, was just incredible um, for a horse of, of this nature. He's just been an absolute star. And uh, yeah, as you say, he's he's a prize of the years, fifty to one, because he doesn't he won't be winning a race like this. But that's a good that's good value each way. I I, I do agree with you. 
Um, yeah, in a race where we all agree that Baid should win this and we hope he wins it. Um, myself, um, I don't think that new mandate's a bad price at 20 to 1. He was ahead of Sebuska at Ascot. I think he surprised Rafe Beckett um, as he mentioned how sick he was after the Jersey Thick Valsier. He was in a field for two months. So to come back after that long layoff and win what was a bit of a a bit of a Mickey Mouse race. It, it wasn't over exciting the race, but I just think that he can come on from that. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's 20 to one to potentially come second or third to, to Baid. That's, um, that's all right for me. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting how you've analyzed that compared to this time last year, a race of a similar nature with, with Palace Pier. And he essentially proved uh, unbeatable until Baid came along. So uh, we hope that that uh, form continues on. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to what, watching the lock-in stakes um, at 3.20 at Newbury on Saturday. But that is the end of our big analysis of all the races from the weekend. Um, we've got to look at our naps and next best, uh, which can come from anywhere. And there's a lot of racing on Saturday and some good quality action up and down the country and over the jumps. And I'd love to think that Roth is going to keep all your, your, your jump enthusiasm um, rolling for another weekend. So I'll start off with Roth. The SBK betting podcast for all your racing needs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, indeed, I have, I have gone, gone to the jumps. Uh, the nap comes in the 6.20 from Utoxeter, the Paul Nichols trained Eglantine de Soy. Um, she is a summer horse. She loves good ground. Angus Tweeder takes a valuable five pound off. She's off a mark of 142. She was beaten last time by Panic Attack, who I think is just a quicker horse. Um, she didn't stop over the two mile four. Steps back up to near three miles. Um, I think she'll go well in that. And then for my next best, I'm going to take a bit of a flyer and, and throw two into the mix. The, the next best selection is uh, Grand Knight of uh, Sean Curance. Um, I followed him closely. He won a, a Lark Hill Maiden point to point. You have to be pretty decent to win a Lark Hill Maiden and he won it very easily. Um, the horse back in sixth, beaten about 11 lengths, Barrowmount, is now rated 118. Grand Knight starts off his hurdling handicap campaign off a mark of just 83. I think he's been well produced to get that mark. Um, steps up in trip a little bit. I think he'll go well. And then the same owner, and it's an owner who does like to land a little bit of a gamble, has in the 750 you talks to Shalott, a uh, different trainer, Gary Brown. Um, he's down nine pounds for being beaten on his handicap debut where he didn't look to stay two mile three, drops back to two miles. So put those two together, maybe in a little double or maybe wait and see how Gron Knight goes. And if he goes in, perhaps uh, go again on Shalott. They'd be my naps and next bests. Brilliant. Uh, we don't mind that. As you said, there's plenty of racing, so keeps us uh, entertained throughout the day. So thanks that uh, from Ross. And TC, where are you going with your nap and next best? Yeah, I'm going to stick to, to Newbury and the best flat action on Saturday. The nap is going to be a horse called Persian Force in the 355 at Newbury, which is a conditions event. Only four runners, but there's Naden O'Brien, newcomer in there, Richard Hanna, newcomer, and an, uh, an Andrew Balding trained juvenile who won first time up, as well as Persian Force. So it's quite a hot little race. I just love this horse. I've, I've said that three times on this podcast, but three different horses I love, Eraz Baybridge and now Persian Force. I was fortunate enough to be up at Doncaster for SBK Lincoln Day um, and Persian Force just ran away with the Brocklesby. He looked a completely different type to what you usually see in that kind of race. You'd normally look for the precocious sorts, the nippy, small, mentally mature horses at two, year, at two years old early in the season, but he was none of it. He relaxed in the paddock, big horse, um, and he looked, just moved through the race like a real classy um, conveyance spoke to Ross after the race and he's I asked him 
is he one of the sharpest horses in the, in the Hannon Yard? And he went, no, not at all. I was like, what? Why are you running the Brocklesby? Um, he said, let's give him a break and then we'll see what he's going to be like for, for the rest of the season. They've given him a break. 49 days, he comes back in this conditions um, event. I think he's a group horse in the making and he's my nap Persian force in the 355. And the next best is Eraz. We've already touched on him in the Carnarvon Stakes, the 135 at Newbury. Look, I could have put a couple of horses up for the next best. Um, I, it was basically out of the races we've covered at Newbury. Um, but Eraz is just a horse I think can progress to the next level. I think he's better than his comeback run and he's a reasonable price to do so as well. So Eras the next best, Persian force to nap. But really exciting a weekend when two of your favourite horses in training are running at the same time. So imagine <laughs> there'll be a couple of doubles going on. I'd say Persian force, really, really exciting performance um, in the Brocklesby. And you'd imagine if he takes this, he'll be on route to Royal Ascot. Indian Renegade, just quickly note, is a, a horse that I selected as, as one of the two-year-old to follow in the SBK um, uh, flat season guide. He's out of Jewel in the Sand, Royal Ascot winner and by the first season star Sioux Nation. Um, so interesting to say that the see that are pitching that against Persian Force for uh, the same owners as well. So yeah, that's a really um, interesting two-year-old race on Saturday at Newbury. Um, for me, um, my nap, I'm going to go uh, with Zane Surinder um, in the 150 at Newmarket. It's a listed race for three-year-olds. I... I really, really like this horse for Tom Clover, who's going great guns, obviously won the SBK Oaks trial last week. I think that he really was unsuited to Epsom in the Derby trial there, where he was third to, um, to uh, Nahani. He was just a little bit all over the place. He was lugging left, and uh, I think he'll be seen to better effect at Newmarket. And um, he's got good form behind him from uh, the from the winter on the all-weather, and he's looked pretty impressive. And uh, I think that uh, he can, uh, as I say, just see to better effect and uh, yes uh, I think he's quite a nice price as well um, as it stands uh, Zane Surrender is 72 um, and then my next best will go with Tiber Flow um, in uh, I think it, which time was it the 135 at Newbury um, that we've covered um, earlier on for William Haggis going great guns and this I think this could just be the class act in the race so we've gone through our naps and next best don't forget we've got an offer for the new for new customers deposit 10 pounds Get £30 in free bets. Terms and conditions always apply. Hopefully we've uh, got enough for you um, all to, to look forward to at Newbury and throughout the rest of the country on Saturday. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe. We'll be back next week with more racing previews uh, in action. Hopefully we'll be able to revisit some of the racing from this weekend as well. So thanks to TC and to Ross and we'll see you soon. 